Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everyone. Surely good to be back in the house of the Lord today and this morning. Glory to the name of the Lord. I've already been mentioned and said we know that today is the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Praise the Lord. It comes around year by year, and so that falls on today. Praise the name of the Lord. So that's where we're going to be leading and directing our attention this morning is on that very topic. So I want to bring you to the book of Isaiah, chapter 44. I'm going to read verse 24. Isaiah 44 and verse 24. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to the name. reads like this right here. It says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. Now, when I read that and, and studied on it, that pretty much says it all in a nutshell, doesn't it? God is claim, claiming uh, His glory one and for all. Nobody is helping Him. He's doing it all by Himself. He makes all things, and it's all Him. It all belongs to Him. Glory to the name of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this service thus far, and we thank you for your spirit. And now, Lord, as I attempt to bring your word to your good people, I ask, Lord, to go forth as you desire. Lord, use me, Lord, as you see fit. And I give you praise and glory for all things. In Jesus' name we pray. And let the church say, Amen. You can be seated. And with that uh, scripture this morning, I'm going to speak to you a little bit on the great creator. The great creator, because that's exactly who God is. He is a great creator. He had no help in it. It's all his creation, and it all belongs to him. Amen? Praise the name of the Lord. And with this being the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, uh, it's good to uh, to just uh, recap and, and uh, reevaluate the reason for it. And uh, it started back in 1984 with President Ronald Reagan issued the very first proclamation uh, for this, yeah, the closest Sunday to the anniversary of the Roe versus Wade uh, is right is uh, the sun this Sunday in January, the National Sanctity of Human Life Day. He then annually issued this proclamation thereafter for the duration of his presidency. And as I looked it up, uh, also uh, George H. W. Bush and his son George W. Bush issued the same proclamations during their presidencies. However, President Bill Clinton and President Barack Obama did not give the proclamation during their terms. And, it, you know, when I think of that, it's sad that the human life, the sanctity of human life has become political in our nation. You wouldn't think that something as an uh, issue as that of human life would be a political situation, but that is exactly what it is. There, there's a, there's a, a right and a left side to be on, and, that, and that's just a fact of the matter, and it shows by our presence. I thank the Lord that uh, President Ronald Reagan during his preg- during his presidency, decided that uh, some eleven years afterwards that he could make a stand for what he truly believed in, and I thank him for that. And because of his efforts and his proclamation that's gone on, 
that that gives us hope and it gives us something that we know we can stand on. We can build upon what he started. And I thank the Lord for that. And it, and it is good for us to build upon what our former president has started. And it also uh, brings to mind that I definitely believe that any president of the United States of America who does not stand for life is going to have to answer to God someday. He is a leader of this nation and of this people of this nation, and he has an obligation and duty, whoo, glory to the name of the Lord, to represent life as God sees fit. We are, after all, a Christian nation. That's how we founded, and our founding fathers knew that our Creator created life, and that's where a lot of our Bill of Rights and our Constitution comes from is because of their belief in the Creator. Glory to the name of the Lord. So thank the Lord for our presidents who are willing to stand for life. Uh, abort73.com is an abortion statistics website that gives the closest possible totals of abortions and some reasons for them. Now it's well over 61 million here in the United States of abortions. Uh, and that number is most likely higher since uh, I found out that California, Maryland, and New Hampshire do not even publicly report the abortion totals in their states. But this website, however, did give a uh, random survey from some 1,200 women who anonymously uh, gave reasons for their abortion. Less than 0.5% got an abortion because of rape, 4% for physical health problems, 8% didn't want to be a single mom, 19% said that they were done having children, 23% said that they couldn't afford a baby, and 25% just simply said they're not ready for kids. That was uh, the biggest jump there, and that seems to be the biggest uh, reasoning for uh, having an abortion is a social or economic standing. It's just they don't feel it's the right time uh, to have a baby. An abortion persists because of ignorance and confusion. A lot of women are just flat out lied to about the procedure and the effects on them and their body. They're just flat out lied to. They're not told the truth. So this is another reason why that they make this decision. And it's important for us to realize, especially as Christians who love God and God loves us and God loves all, that we don't beat up someone, some lady that uh, that has had that procedure done and just love them and let them know that there is a God in heaven who loves them and can then take that guilt away from them and they can be forgiven for that because it's not an unforgivable sin amen they can be forgiven for that if we if we can say that the lord will and does forgive murderers and they they can come to the lord so can a young lady who's had an abortion glory to the name of the lord so uh last year a movie came out based on a true story of a young woman named abby johnson it was called unplanned i don't know if anyone had heard of it or not last year but this story is based on uh, her. It was she was a clinic director at Planned Parenthood, uh, for and she was responsible and involved in almost twenty-two thousand abortions. When one day she was asked to help in an abortion procedure, which included an ultrasound image, and she quickly realized that this. Uh, procedure, this abortion that she was uh, in the room with and helping, she quickly realized that they were lying to her at Planned Parenthood, lying to her and in turn causing her to lie to the young women coming in. 
She said that they were told that baby's sensory functions doesn't develop until 28 weeks, so the baby feels no pain. However, as she was in the procedure and she was in the room and watching the ultrasound image on the screen, the probe that was uh, up in this young lady to remove the baby that was there began to jump and bounce around, try to get away from that probe that was there to remove it. And that struck a strong chord in her. She, uh, I haven't seen the movie, uh, but I, I uh, watched a little bio on her and, and know that this is where, the, this is where she started from on uh, what changed her is seeing this happen and realizing it was a revelation so strong to her that it was just a flat-out lie. If that young baby who was, I believe she said it was, uh, I want to say somewhere around 8 to 10 weeks, I believe, uh, the lady was pregnant. If that young baby was already jumping around, trying to get away from something it was feeling, uh, getting upon it, then it had to be feeling. It had to be knowing what was you know going on and getting away from it. And she ran out of that room and was ter- terribly upset. And it was so strong to her, and she knew it was a flat out lie that baby that they were told that babies could not feel. That she became a pro life activist. This young woman was a director for Planned Parenthood. She is now a pro life activist. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that today. Glory to the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the revelation and the truth being brought to this young woman. Glory to the name of the Lord. I want to share with you now uh, some, uh, some things about the states that are now going on. You know, it's been some 47 years since Roe v. Wade has been passed. And, you know, I have to admit, I myself uh, had, had a mindset that well, because the United States Supreme Court, they're, you know, they're, you can't go no higher than that. Once they decide the, what's law, uh, that pretty much settles it. They issue their opinion, and everybody has to abide by it. So you kind of get the in, you know, impression that it can't be re-looked at. It will never be changed. But I don't believe that's true. If there's enough voices heard, if there's enough outcry brought up through the courts, then changes can be made. So it's important to realize and know that today, that change is still possible at the United States Supreme Court level. And many states are passing legislation that would make abortions illegal once a heartbeat has, can be detected. These are known as heartbeat bills. Maybe some of you have heard of some of this going on. In 2013, North Dakota became the first state to pass a heartbeat law. However, in 2015, it was uh, ruled as unconstitutional by the United States Supreme Court. They were state number one that had tried that, and, and right away, immediately, the Supreme Court struck it down. But this has not stopped other states. In 2018 and 19, Ohio, Georgia, Louisiana, and Missouri passed similar bills while Iowa, Kentucky, and Mississippi were struck down by lower courts. They, they, both, they all passed the bills, and they're, uh, when, as I look this up, it's, it's under like a pending process going up to the Supreme Court. So they're still there waiting for it. It's like one stacking on top of another. The United States Supreme Court recognizing and realizing that states are making this stand, and uh, they're going to have to uh, re-look at the, at the situation in the case. In Tennessee here, two heartbeat bills were filed in 2019. The House bill passed while uh, my personal senator, Mark Pody's bill in the Senate was sent back to committee 
and they uh, the reasoning for this they didn't get it passed and they want uh, Senator Pody said that they want to reevaluate and even though a lot of people say well it goes back to the committee to die uh, he said they want to make it stronger to where it can withstand a court battle they will, they want to make it strong so I don't believe it's gone there to die I believe a senator is going to bring it back and I'm thankful for him for making this stand on that Mr. Pody. Uh, for the for the Tennessee Senate, so that, that's working on that. These are great things. This is great momentum for states to be going this way. We don't need to be disheartened by other states like New York, who uh, who just has a, a live birth abortion that they can go on, and the other state, uh, Virginia, that is is going. Uh, even further by trying to change their constitution uh, to imp- where to be abortion would be a right. So it would just be within, in their state constitution where that would be a right. And we'll mention something about that just a little bit later too. But it's good to know that uh, there is hope for this issue. And this, this allows abortion opponents to be hopeful that these many legal challenges will serve as a way for the United States Supreme Court to reevaluate Roe versus Wade. So don't give, don't give up hope. Still be very vigilant in your prayer and make a stand for, for this effort and support our, uh, state, uh, senators and legislators to help Tennessee be the next state that passes a bill that's going to be right in there with the rest of them to make a change. Glory to the name of the Lord. Also, uh, uh, the ACLJ, which is the American Center for Law and Justice. It's an organization dedicated to the defense of constitutional liberties for Christian advocates. These great lawyers are helping so many people in other countries and here at home. Uh, a man by the name of Jay Seculo uh, is, is a lawyer who works within this organization. And also, just by happenstance, his, uh, uh, Jay Seculo is, is a lawyer who's in uh, one of President Trump's private uh, attorneys. His son, Jordan Seculo, I knew I was going to get them to mixed up. Jordan Seculo is the one that I listen to on uh, XM radio uh, that holds a show on there. And this is and be, uh, because of me listening to him and him giving reports of things that's going on with Christians around the country, I, uh, I wanted to give y'all this information. ACLJ.org is their, is their website. And, for example, one thing that they're working on is a case of an American pastor, a Tennessean pastor, Byron Naron, who was being held in India after they claim he didn't uh, declare funds that he had on him for conferences and uh, 13 other ministers for a two-week trip. I don't know how many have heard of this pastor who's now held up in India, been for several months. The last court date was, uh, if I remember right, December the 12th. Uh, ACLJ is fighting on his behalf to try to get him back home to the states. Uh, it just it he it was uh, their article said that the man and other ministers had been going there for some time. They uh, they'd held conferences in in India and and they do teaching and studies helping the people over there. Well, he had a, a you know some funds on him to support their trip mission trip, and and they said that uh, nothing was mentioned or said at all about declaring the money or anything like that to uh, to the India country, but yet uh, some officials saw it and just arrested him, and now he's being held. And as a matter of fact, I remember this too, 
he got sick at one time while he was over there, had to go to, the, uh, to one of their hospitals, and, got, and he said that the very day he was there, there was like six other people who had died with communicable diseases that very day, and he was in a room with three other people, and the, uh, a lady doctor had come in uh, to uh, uh, address him, and the first thing she asked him was, are you a Christian? And he said, well, yes, I am. I'm a Christian. And the, and the very first thing she did was spit on the floor at him. Ain't that something? Just spit on the floor. So what kind of care and treatment do you think that that Christian pastor is going through? and have? So we need to be in very much prayer for him, but uh, I'm proud for the ACLJ organization to be helping him over there. They are also uh, uh, made some big uh, uh, victories. Here in this, in this country, just the other day, they mentioned on there that uh, there was a, a teacher in, I believe it was in Ohio, if I'm mistaken, that during Christmas had set up uh, a, a Santa Claus uh, in a nativity scene, just all kind of the, the Christmas uh, features and, and included a nativity scene with Santa Claus, all elves and just decoration, you know, the Christmas decoration. Well, nothing bothered them but the nativity scene. They, they forced her to remove it. She contacted them. They sent a uh, letter out to the school and claimed uh, that uh, she had the right to display the nativity scene if she wanted to. They relented, and she was able to put it, to put it back up. They won that case, and that's a good thing, so they're helping here. Another case that uh, goes with what we're talking about today, there was a, a young girl in a school, I believe it was in New Jersey if I ain't mistaken, that she wore a pro-life button on on her person going to school, and uh, when she went there, she wanted she was talking about you know pro-life with her friends. They'd asked her about the button. Well, the superintendent of the school claimed she could not do that. She could not wear the button and talk about uh, pro-life at her school. Once again, parents contacted the ACLJ, and they sent a letter to that superintendent uh, advising them that that's is that young girl's right. Against her uh, freedom of speech, and they right then they re- relented from that. Told her that she could wear her button, she could talk about it, but she can't take up time class and uh, pass out uh, other programs and stuff like that about being pro-life. But she could talk about it and she could wear a button. So those are some things uh, that the ACLJ is working on. Also, I mentioned Virginia, their pro- proposed change to their constitution. Making abortion a right. Uh, you may remember the Virginia's governor saying that if a baby survived an abortion attempt, that the, then the doctor and the baby would be made comfortable, and then the doctor and mother could have a conversation of whether or not to go ahead and take the life of the baby. Well, this is Virginia, and that was the governor. And, th- and he's talking about just a baby being born through a botched abortion attempt, and they can basically just, just sit there and talk about uh, just murder outside of the mother after that point. That's what we're talking about, just flat-out killing the baby because they were attempting... It's funny how they don't want to call it murder while the baby is still in the mother. But it's all in it, but we're going, we're, we've been in it so long, we're, we're getting to this point where it's just going to be uh, killing other babies just flat out after they're born. They're not caring seemingly anymore. But there is hope, and like I mentioned to these other, other states, that are, there is a people who's willing to make a stand. Are we willing to help, along, help that effort along and make a stand? When I got on ACLJ.org, I signed up for the, the, um, this organization is definitely doing their part. We can help do our part by going to ACLJ.org and signing the petition for Defend 
pro-life laws. It's down there. You can sign a petition that goes right up to the Supreme Court. They made a friend of the court brief that issues a statement that says it is a myth, not a fact, that abortions are safe. Abortions are not safe. Uh, obviously not safe for the baby's life they're taking, but it's not safe to the mother either. And you can sign a petition where your name will be included uh, that goes up to uh, the United States Supreme Court, and I did my part. I went ahead and signed that on there. I think there's some around 211,000 signatures already on there on their website. So do your part and, and help out in that effort any way that you can. Glory to the name of the Lord. Getting back to our great Creator, God who gives life, God who created life. In Genesis 2 and 7, we find that God is indeed the one who created life. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That says it as plainly and clearly as we can ever say it, that God is the creator of mankind and humanity. He is the one who created life. In, in Galatians 1 and 15 but when it, Apostle Paul said, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. Apostle Paul persecuted and tried to destroy the church up until his revelation that was given to him by Jesus on the road to Damascus. And when that revelation happened for him, he immediately recognized that God was the creator of life and he called him from his mother's womb. He recognized it. Glory to the name of the Lord, the great creator. Not only does God create life, but he owns life. When he created it, he owns it. You know, it's like we, uh, our homes, we, we think we own our homes, but we really don't. You're, you're just holding it for the bank, number one, until, until, you know, you pay it off. And if you paid it off, you think you have it, but it still really ain't yours. The bank don't hold the deed to it no more. You might hold the deed, but if you don't pay a little thing called property tax, well, the, you know, then you'll lose it to your county. So you really truly don't ever own your home. And that, uh, that you know, is kind of a big pet peeve to me anyway. Once, once you've paid off your home and you've, and you've retired, they ought to be some kind of um, uh, implementation there where you don't have to pay your property tax no more because you're retired. A lot, a lot of uh, elderly people has worked so hard for their property over all the years, for 30, 40 years, got it paid off, and then they're, you know, they're already under a tight income trying to make it, and the county can't even uh, let them have a break on a property tax. There need to be something. That's, I mean, that's just something nitpicking on me. But, you know, you, they, there's so many uh, people who are forced to sell their property in their homes for something called property tax. And, you know, that's not right. That, uh, that's free of charge. I won't charge no extra for that. But I, ju- I just think there ought to be something done about that. But you don't really own it, you know, but you think you do. But And because it's your property, what do you do? You protect it. You defend it. If so, you ain't, if somebody comes up to your door to break in, you're not just going to uh, open the door and let them in and be like, oh, take what you want. You know, this ain't my place anyway. No, you're going to defend it. You're going to protect it. And that's the way God is. He wants to protect and defend what he's created. But God owns life. And we, and we see this by what David said in Psalm 24 and 1. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. 
He said the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, not just a little bit of it. He's not sharing it with anybody. He's not saying, well, uh, this part of the world over here in the North America and South America is mine, and we'll give this other part of the, uh, of the world over here uh, to that prophet Muhammad. Uh-uh, Muhammad wasn't nowhere around. God created the earth and all its fullness. It all belongs to him, the world and, all, and those who dwell therein. So it's not only the world, but it's those who dwell therein. That's everybody. That's whether or not they believe in God or not. All the atheists that, that want to claim they don't believe in God, they still belong to Him. And he, he is the owner of life. Glory to the name of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6 and 20, we find another very familiar scripture. For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body and your spirit both belong to God. It's, it's His. He created it. He owns it. It belongs to Him. And that's why we need to recognize Him as a creator of this world and our body and our spirit. Because when judgment day comes, the devil don't own you. God owns you. And it'll be your decision that you made while you were on this green earth of what your selection was, whether you believed Him or not, what would determine where you go. The devil's not going to have a say-so and control over it. It's going to be you yourself, whether where you say or go, whether you go to heaven in glory or where you're going to go down to the hot place down there called hell. You, that, that is what it's going to be at the end time because God owns life. God created life and He owns life. Number three that I want to tell you this morning is God controls life. Let's look at Isaiah 38 and 5. Go and tell Hezekiah... Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will add your days 15 years. King Hezekiah was considered to be a good king. He had repented and God told him that because of he saw his tears and he repented that he would add him another 15 years. Now if that ain't showing that God controls life, I don't know what does. And God definitely controls life. Another, uh, I didn't write this down, but another well-known uh, Bible passage that we know is when the, uh, uh, the three Hebrew children were placed in a fiery furnace. If God does not control life and doesn't own life, then uh, those three would definitely be burned up alive in that fire. But because God controls what goes on, He can put a stop to that. And we can have hope in that today that no matter what happens in our life and goes on, when we we believe in the great creator and we know he created our life. He owns our life. He controls our life. Woo, glory to the name of the Lord. We can have hope in that today and we can know that he controls what goes on with us and we can give him praise and glory for it. Glory to the name of the Lord. Finally, this morning, I want to, about uh, controlling life, I want to talk a, a little bit about uh, Randy Travis. I've been reading his memoir and this man, Definitely is an example of how God controls your life. It's, uh, I've been reading, reading his memoir, and he cautions people to be careful what you say in a hospital room when a patient is unconscious or in a coma because that person may very well be able to hear you and the comments you say. Now, uh, Mr. Travis, back in somewhere around uh, July 4th holiday of 2013, uh, got put in a hospital. He, he thought, they thought he had pneumonia. He was getting real weak. So he, he get put in a hospital. They give him some antibiotics and drugs to try to help him get better. Well, it wasn't pneumonia. 
He didn't get any better. They released him. He comes back. He winds up dying that when he got back in, it got so worse and he went downhill so fast, he winds up actually dying. And he said that he was uh, he was dead for like a two and a half minutes before they brought him back to life, jolted his heart back to life. Well, at that point, he spent about a month in a hospital and he got better and was able to leave. So when he was able to leave the hospital, he needed to go to rehabilitation center. They brought him here to Vanderbilt, uh, the Stallworth, I think it is, Rehabilitation Center. Uh, he was, was that where Mama was that time? That's what I was thinking. I knew I recognized it. Well, he was brought there. So he was under rehabilitation for a while. Well, because being there for so long, and uh, he got a staph infection, and it, uh, he also uh, got, uh, there was a lesion in his heart caused by bacteria from being in the hospital. I wanted to tell you, too, I had uh, uh, mentioned the first hospital state that he was in, his heart had gotten so weak that they wanted to do a heart transplant. That was miracle number one for him. Oh, actually, miracle number one has been brought back to life. God controlled his life, come back. But they were talking about doing a heart transplant. And, and uh, his wife said, no, we're going we're gonna to wait and see if his heart gets better. It got better, and he was able to get out of the hospital. So then we're back, uh, like going back to Vanderbilt. When he's there, he gets a staph infection, gets a lesion in his heart. He goes downhill fast where he was improving. So he had to go in the ICU at Vanderbilt. So now when he, because he's in ICU, he's in and out of comas. He's unconscious. He's, there's people coming in. He talks about how other uh, musicians come in and get, sing songs to him, and he hears that. Uh, sometimes he, uh, he didn't hear. Sometimes he did. But then he hears the doctors coming in, and they're saying things like, it's time to let him go. It's time to pull the plug. It's time to call it quits. And his, his wife Mary said, he takes him out in the hall every time says, he is not going to hear negative talk in that hospital room where he knows what's going on in here. And he could very well hear. He couldn't speak to him. He had had that time where he was out, he was dead for two and a half minutes. When he got brought back, he had had a massive stroke. So when he come out of that, that massive stroke, it was what he needed that rehabilitation for. That whole right side was numb. He couldn't write uh, with his right hand. You know how stroke victims are. Then his speech is slurred, and they had to wind up removing part of his uh, cranium to let the swelling go out and come back down. So, But he's hearing all these negative comments, and he says this in his book. Don't ever say negative comments like that because when it comes time, his wife comes to him and talks to him and says, Randy. You've got to let me know if you want to go on. And he says with everything that was in him, he was screaming, Yes, yes, I want to live. But no words come out. He couldn't talk. He couldn't get it out. He said with all the strength that he could, he squeezed her hand and a single tear come down his eye. That he wanted to live. He wanted to go on. And you know that is the very thing that helps people go on is in their mind. They're not giving up. They're going on. They're not going to quit. And that's exactly what he was doing. And God was in control of that. He wanted to go on. It wasn't his time to go. So she goes right back out and tells them doctors that it's not their decision to say his life is done. It's only God above. And, they, and she suggests that they get on board and start talking about 
about life and not about death. And that's too much of what's going on in our society today. We talk too much about death and ain't nobody going to make it instead of talking about life. The fact of the matter is when that time comes when the controller of your life decides it's time to go, there's nothing nobody's going to be able to do. That's going to be your time to go. Up until then, we stay positive. We keep hope. We don't talk negative. Glory to the name of the Lord. Glory to the name of the Lord. Okay, Pastor, you can come back on and get a song. And that's what I wanted to give you this morning about uh, our great Creator. He created life, He owns life, and He controls our life. And we all uh, can honor and respect the Lord God Almighty to, and help these young women who has had an abortion or when we go visit people in a hospital, the, to all the doubt and things that come up. Not let that sink in. Be a positive hope, just like Sister Tina was for her mom and her family. She was that miraculous hope that that family need. And it could be us one day that we never need to uh, lose thought that God controls life. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord.